0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody.
1: Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson here on a Monday Thanks for tuning in and joining us. Participating with the show today, uh, Utah Jazz falling in game one in the playoffs in overtime. I'd love to get your thoughts about how the game played out. uh, Questions, thoughts you might have about how things went over the weekend with the opening weekend of high school football. We'll get into uh, what happened with our pick six from this past weekend. Uh, Interesting things going on with Major League Baseball. So a lot of different topics to cover 435-339-0321 if you want to chime in and and join us uh, via text. Again, 435-339-0321. Or if you want to call in, you can call 435-752-1069. So, um, first of all, Ajay, uh, the Jazz game earlier this afternoon here on this station, Donovan Mitchell just went bonkers. And he needed help and didn't get a heck of a whole lot of help. I mean, it's not an over criticism on on the NBA or excuse me the Utah Jazz as much as it was just they couldn't get stops when they needed them and even Donovan Mitchell made a few mistakes that were untimely late when the Jazz had a lead and then had that silly turnover just not getting across the timeline quick enough and the
2: Jazz just defensively couldn't get stops when they needed them. Um, imagine that. A guy scores fifty-seven points, which is a uh, is that a new Jazz playoff That's a new record? Jazz right, he playoff beat Carmelo Yep. Uh, and yet he was six points away from tying Michael Jordan's record of sixty-three in Boston years ago. Uh, and yet the only thing that we're going to remember is him dribbling the ball up court and not getting across the timeline before eight seconds. That game could have turned into a six or seven point lead. Instead, it's a turnover. Nuggets hit a three. They cut it back to one. You know, we then go into overtime, and the Jazz just were completely out of gas. Four straight turnovers, four possessions without taking one shot in overtime. And on the other side, Murray was just, he's been murdering the Jazz all season long, and he did it again tonight, or to me today. Phenomenal. 36 points. He did it in a, a brash way. Just really, really good basketball from him. But you're right. Just no help for for Donovan Mitchell. Three point. okay, so at two starters combined for six points. Three from Royce O'Neill in thirty two minutes of one of six shooting. And three from Juan Morgan, who didn't get that three until the fourth quarter. He goes one of five from the field, one of four from deep. But I give more lenience to Morgan. Uh, I was I was pleased with Morgan. Me play. too. I was too. And he still
1: pulled down seven boards, an assist, and a steal, plus seventeen when he was on the court. Oh, he didn't score a lot of points, but man, he was active and trying to make things happen for the Jazz.
2: Do you have the plus and minus? By the I way, uh, give me O'Neal minus twenty-one. Good hell! Yeah, he, he did not look no. Right up he there. didn't, and not even defensively. I mean, that's why they're sticking Joe Ingles on Murray's because O'Neal just was getting cooked left and right on every single burner that was on that court. It was really bad effort, a really poor performance from Royce O'Neill. He was a big reason why the Jazz lost this basketball game. A big reason why. I thought Gobert was really good in 42 minutes. Gobert was just, I mean, his legs were jello by overtime. And and, and Eagles, yeah. I thought, was really good, but you could tell he was he was gassed by overtime. He was 6-14 from the field. Well, he had how many points? I can't even find yeah, it here. 19. 19? Okay, nineteen points, six assists, five boards. See, that's and a, a good steal. day from Joe. That's actually yeah, that good a good day from game. Joe. That's a
1: good, great line from Joe Ingles.
2: So, my my question is: is if if O'Neal's not working, can we risk bringing Clarkson off the? I don't have Clarkson's line, by the way, but can we risk bring bringing Clarkson off the bench? Clarkson. So that's been a
1: big debate. You know, should the Jazz have started Jordan Clarkson in place of Mike Conley? And uh, Clarkson scored eighteen points. Uh, he had 5 personal fouls, 2 turnovers, but, and uh, he did have 4 rebounds and 3 assists. What was his shooting?
2: Uh he was 8 for 17. From deep what was 2 it? for 9 from. Ah, and he had a couple good looks too, Eric. I mean he had he had what two or three good looks.
1: The thing is I I uh, I felt I've always felt that uh, when I heard that Mike Connolly was leaving to go to, for the birth of his child that uh Clarkson should still come off the bench he provides that spark he provides that offense for yeah. that second unit I think that's where he is fit in I think that makes the most sense do you but some other guys off the bench need to be doing something because yeah I, there
2: really wasn't much of anything George I
1: Yang continues to struggle
2: he sucks like he should be back in the G League by next year if he's not then he needs to be cut I, I just I, I can't stand watching him try to handle a basketball in the midst of traffic. I think he makes horrible decisions. I think he's a bad shooter. Uh, he's a bad offensive guy, and he's an extremely lia- uh, huge liability on the defensive end. He's not good defensively. I don't know who scares me more being on the court: George Ying or Tony Bradley. Royce O'Neal is definitely getting into that list extremely quickly right now. I was frankly
1: a little surprised we didn't see any Mie Oni. Yeah,
2: me too. I-, I thought that he would play. I'd, me too. I
1: wasn't sure. if In fact, I, part of me thought that he might start. He might yeah. get the starting. Tonight. I don't
2: know if he gets heavy minutes, but at least he's part of that rotation.
1: Yeah, I think the way he's played in a lot of these scrub minutes and, uh, and some of the rotations that they've done in the bubble, I think there's a guy who's kind of earned an opportunity to do that. Now, with the team playing heavy minutes and uh, what happened today, you know, maybe there's a chance where they – they bring him in a little bit. Try to give Donovan a little bit of a breather.
2: Uh, Mike Conley, as you mentioned, had the birth of a new child yesterday. Uh, I have two quick questions for you. Uh, Mike Conley will hopefully return by the end of this week. That's the hope is that he'll be able to fly back. He's in the birth of his kid. Fly back, quarantine for the whatever amount of days he needs to and be able to play before games three, four, five. Uh, but two questions for you. One Do you blame Mike Conley for leaving as the playoffs were starting? And two, 135-125 is your final score in overtime. Does Mike Conley flip that score? And does Jazz win with him on the court today?
1: Uh, So to your first question, I I shared this on social media in a couple different places. There is a great clip from a Lithuanian coach. I'm not going to try to say his name because you won't remember. But uh, I love it because it's in Lithuanian. But (laughs) also because... Uh, here's a guy that it's similar situation. They were in a playoff series and one of his his top players left to go for the birth of his child. And a reporter asks the coach, Hey, are you upset that this guy left right in the middle of a series? And, and, and the coach looks at him like, are you, have you ever had a kid? Do you have any kids? And the reporter's like, no says, well, when you have kids, you're going to have a different point of view. I mean, it's, it's a, like this beautiful thing of life. It's a it's family. It's really super important. That's basketball is secondary to you know your family and what's going on in, in your personal life. And he basically kind of berates the reporter for even asking the question. And I feel the same way with Mike Connolly. I think that there's probably going to be some fans out there like, "Come on, man, why are you leaving your team like right now?" Well, you know what? Family's having a, a, a his his wife's having a baby. Uh, It's actually a few weeks earlier than what they thought it was going to be.
2: Which is scary.
1: Yeah, which can be a little unsettling. And so I have zero problem with Mike Connolly leaving. It's just the pandemic, the way it was, when they were, if they had this planned, they were planning the the pregnancy and everything, it would have been the perfect time to have a child. Yeah. But now, yeah, it's tough.
2: Before you answer the second question, I I, want to just say I agree with you wholeheartedly. And any basketball fan, any jazz fan, Things differently, just stop talking, get off social media, whatever it is. Uh, you don't get it. That's the birth of a new child, you know, and, and that's that's gonna be part of your family. It's gonna be part of the rest of your life. That's a that's a big changing life experience, whether you have kids or not. And and to I to berate someone for missing game one of the NBA playoffs in a restart bubble because he's going to the birth of his child and he has to come back in quarantine, just is insane and incredibly stupid. Uh, I I applaud Mike Conley for leaving, and I applaud the Jazz for the way they've handled it. I have actually heard um, a couple of stories that like Mike Conley went to the Jazz front office and said, "Hey, look, there is a chance that this," and they they stopped him before he even finished, and they said, "Family first. Get out of here. If you have to go, go. Our team will be fine. We'll mill. We'll, we'll survive. You know, we'll do the best we can without you. But you need to go beat your family. And it's that's what the Jazz are. They're a family related team. You, you think of the Millers." Uh, I think Dennis Lindsay gets it. I know Gail Miller definitely gets it. That it's it's a family organization, and that's what makes it so great. And that's why Mike Connolly loves it here. And uh, again, I, I just, yeah, I'm happy for him and congrats to those guys. I know they had a baby yesterday, and we'll see if he can make it back for game three, four, or five. So, to my second question, and Eric 135, 125 is the final score. Does it change?
1: Well, I wonder if, if Donovan Mitchell goes off as much as he does yeah. if Connolly's there. But um, I think that. Mike Connolly would have helped. Uh, I think he was playing some of his best basketball all year in the bubble. So having another scoring option, having uh, different players, you don't have to change up your rotations for your starters and and, and how it affects your bench. Um, I think it would have helped, absolutely, to have Mike Connolly in the game today.
2: Uh, Rudy Gobert picked up his fifth foul, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Eric? He started kind of playing. I wouldn't say more tentatively, but it just seemed like he wasn't aggressive as going after Jokic defensively as he was before. Did that fifth foul really change his mentality that much and how he was playing Jokic and that he wasn't as aggressive and Jokic kind of took advantage of that?
1: Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I just felt like they were out of gas. Yeah, i, I just, more. I thought it was just more exhausted. It's the way, especially when you looked how they played in overtime when. When uh, initially on an inbounds pass, the ball was supposed to go to oh, Gobert. Yeah. And it looked like initially it looked like jo- uh, 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 Nokovic um, uh, pushed him down. Nikola Jokic, sorry, I can't speak. Nikola Jokic pushed him down to go get the ball. And really, when looking at the replay, it was a really minor bump. Yeah, and Rudy and he just, just collapses.
2: Yeah. So yeah. And then you, I mean, and that's, you know, that's a great play you bring up because a transition back was just jogging. I mean, and it wasn't like they weren't putting effort into it. It was just, I can't keep up with this anymore. And the thing is, Eric, is that the Nuggets play a deeper rotation, if you will. I mean, remember, Bogdanovich and Conley are out. And so I'm looking at the the minutes on the other side of the bench. Jeremy Grant plays 40 minutes. Uh, Morris plays 29. Dozier plays 20. And Plumley plays 11. And on the other side, you got Yang 20, Bradley 11, Clarkson played 39, but Moody Allen played 10. I just feel like they used their bench a little bit more. And so the Nuggets had fresher legs going into that overtime. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, is with Donovan Mitchell. He plays 43 minutes today. Does he have to consistently do that games one through whatever? Minutes-wise, is he going to have to play that many minutes every single game to keep this team in it without Conley, without Bogdanovich? Probably. Wow. Probably. It's going
1: to be tough. Until, he, until another consistent scorer emerges.
2: Yeah, which I don't even know if one emerges.
1: This, this I mean, Joe restart. Engel's play was great today. But if Royce O'Neal can provide some offense, if he can have that threat of knocking down the three-point shot, even if Juwan Morgan occasionally hits a three-point shot, then teams have to give create a little more space in the paint where Donovan can attack the rim or dish out, you know, drive and dish. So right now, it's you know they, they need more, more consistent outside shooting. They only made 16 three-point shots. And Denver's not normally known as a great three-point no, shooting team, but they, but they hit 22. Today. Some of those were really well contested by the Jazz. They just were great shots, but...
2: They got a lot of really good looks today. Well, we'll get to the positives of the Jazz here in just a bit, but I got to go to one more thing. I, I, Murray was unstoppable. Murray was stupid good today. I mean, you, you, and he had some tough looks, like you said, Eric. There are times where Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neill had a hand in his grill, and he knocked it down anyways. He was really, really good tonight or today. Is there anything you change defensively to try to slow him down, or is it just, look, we played our best defense, and he played better offense. Well, it's on that pick and roll because it's really a two-man game. Going underneath Jokic, the screen, it has to stop. Yeah, Going underneath so, is not helping you.
1: No, they've just got to be a little better on uh, taking away the passing lanes. Uh, I thought it was interesting listening to the pregame with um, with David Locke is that Jazz are really good on pick and roll defense. Yeah. But they're not good on handoffs. Yeah. when team And the Denver Nuggets do a lot of handoffs. And so... Um, but there's no room for a pass. It's just you screen, you rub off on the other guy, and there it is. So, there's the Jazz really struggle with that. So, you know what? Uh, Quinn Snyder's a great coach. He's got a great coaching staff. Uh, they make some really interesting adjustments. Um,
2: I'll be interested to see what happens in game two. I I just I was looking at some of the numbers: 16 of 47 from deep for the Utah Jazz. Nuggets for 22 of 41. 22 of 41. And the Jazz were 16 of 47. Make two or three more threes in. In uh, I think they had three good looks in the fourth quarter, Eric. Really good looks. One from Clarkson, one from Royce, one from Donovan. All three rimmed out. Hit two of those, and we're talking about a totally different story right now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's and and so and that kind of leads me to the positive side, Eric. We do lose game one by 10, but a we took them to overtime. B we had a six point lead or four point lead, five point lead. You know, with about four or so minutes in change left in the game, we gave those guys everything they could handle without Mike Conley. And without Mike, uh, Boyan and without Yeah, without Bajanovic. Now, the good thing is that Conley could and we hope will come back by game three, by game four. The big thing is, is that the Jazz need to win on Wednesday. Two o'clock Mountain Time here on the same station. Jazz need to win this game. To split the series, to give us a chance when Conley does come back. If you can go one and one, with Conley coming back on Friday again, two o'clock, Mountain Time. Boy, I like our chances, Eric. I really, really like our chances. I don't know why, but I do.
1: Hey, let's not forget. I mean, the this Denver team has some injuries of the or, you know with some guys that they usually rely on that are rotation guys that play a lot of minutes, but the differences are. Those guys are maybe a starter, maybe a guy that's played some good minutes off the bench, but not a major contributor. Uh, The Jazz are without two of their major contributors. Mike Connolly and Bojan Bogdanovich, are absolutely among the top contributors for the Jazz. And so what this coaching staff is doing to still make it competitive, and the fact that they had a shot to win in regulation, was incredible. So this team... They're mad that they lost, but they should be feeling like, "Hey, we're competitive with these guys." I know we haven't they haven't beat them yet this year, but at every game they've been in there, and I guess to some degree that's a testament to Denver too that this is a team that can close out close games against Utah. But the Jazz have been in every single game to the wire. Amen. So it's that's just a great making point. that little adjustment here and there, and just getting a little bit more from those fringe guys and. Could be the, the whole difference of the world for these guys.
2: Again, I thought Donovan Mitchell was so impressed. If he finishes with 57, that's the third highest in NBA playoff history behind Elgin Baylor, 61, Michael Jordan, 63. That's that's incredible. He joins Michael Jordan who and Charles Barkley and Will Chamberlain, who all had 56. Like, that is just stupid. How incredible what Donovan was able to do tonight. And let's Turning remember, this on. is a kid in his third, third year. Third year. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's what we seem to forget. Uh, Piranhas tweets in and he says doesn't Connolly have to quarantine when he returns? Yes, he that does. is why we hope he comes back tomorrow because then he misses game two let's see, so Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, he'd be available for Friday's game three. Well, so uh, I would be
1: surprised if Connolly will be back with the Jazz for, for game three. Yeah, okay. I mean, he left Sunday, yeah. be there, his child was born Sunday night night, yep. Um, I imagine he's Going to be with his family for a day or two. <laughs> yeah, at least you would expect him to be. Um, and then when he returns to Orlando, he has to quarantine for four days. Four days,
2: right? So, and then Game Four is Monday, if I'm not mistaken, Eric. You got the list with you. Uh, is Game Four Monday at Game Four 6:30? is
1: Sunday? Oh, shoot, Sunday at seven. So there oh, he, is a there is a real shot here that Mike Connolly
2: misses Games Three and Four. This is. It misses the whole series if the Jazz gets swept. Jazz aren't getting swept. They might get the gentleman sweep. You know, you you lose the first three, win this game four, and then lose game five. But yeah, the Jazz need man. That sucks. I was so, and I hate to do that, but if Conley could make it back by Wednesday, and then quarantine Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he could play Sunday for game four. And pray like crazy the Jazz aren't down 0 3. That that's what's going to be tough. Is that you know, he does have to quarantine for the four days, and that's what scares me the most.
1: The thing but, that we've seen about Denver is that yes, they they play well and they can close out close games. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the in the in the uh, fourth quarter. But they're also notorious for collapsing in the playoffs. So. Uh, this is an opportunity for the Jazz to make their adjustments and throw stuff at Denver that they're not used to, um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll just see what happens. I mean, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic just a great one-two tandem. the The real question is who else is going to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porter Jr. has had a great time, a lot of great success uh, in the bubble, but he didn't have a great game today. Thirteen points, eight boards. I mean, it's not bad. But it's lower, much
2: lower than what he's been averaging in the bubble.
1: So
2: Okay, so Eric, I know we got to go to break here in just a bit. When we come back, I want to go through your first-round predictions. I mean, I know we've seen two games. One's about to finish up between Toronto and Brooklyn, and Jazz already down 0-1. But I want to kind of go through, now that we know what things look like, Russell Westbrook is out versus OKC for at least the first three games. Portland is in versus the Lakers. What does that do? Clippers and the Mavericks. Is there any sauce to that? I'd love to hear kind of who you think's get who you think's going to get out of the first round and how that would shape the playoff picture from there. Because I think we're going to have two totally different views on this. Yeah, and also look at uh, the players that got recognized for their play in the
1: bubble. Uh they Oh yeah, their, the bubble awards. The
2: bubble awards? Hey, are those legit to you or you think that's just a joke?
1: Uh no, uh, I think it's it's worth doing. It's kind of like a tournament format anyway. Sure. So I think it's – I don't see any harm in it. I don't know that somebody is going to put it on their mantle. Yeah, I
2: don't think, you know, Danny Lillard's going to put it on his Twitter profile. Put it in your resume.
1: Bubble MVP. Yeah. Jeez. But we'll discuss who got uh, some recognition, I guess, from how they played in the NBA uh, restart. Uh, coming up next, we'll also get into our pick six, speaking of winning and losing. Yeah, it
2: sucks. Who won the pick six this I past went, week? I went full George Nying there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You hit a few. You hit a few. No, I didn't. Don't freaking sugarcoat this crap for me.
1: And dirt. we'll take a, a recap of what happened in the opening weekend for high school football. I still want my pick six gift. Let's we'll talk about that coming up next in the Full Court Press.
0: Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Utah Jazz suffering uh, the opening loss in the playoffs. Game one of the playoffs, game one for the Jazz and the Nuggets, and it went to the wire, uh, tied at 115 apiece, and then the Nuggets just had more in the tank. and Jazz had, uh, what was it, four or five straight possessions where they turned the ball over.
2: Four. Yeah, the first four possessions were in a turnover. Two of them belonged to Donovan, uh, and it was just at the wrong time. And when Murray's hot like that, it just it, it compounds the problem, right? It turns a scab into a uh, just a bleeding wound, and that's what the case was. Is and you, like you said, we've used the word exhausted, and we're not trying to bail the Jazz out. But with the short roster that they were kind of playing, and Donovan Mitchell doing as much as he was, Joe Ingles trying to stick with Murray and Rudy Gobert battling Jokic, it's gonna take a lot out of you. It really is. And you weren't you couldn't rely on Royce O'Neill to being of any help. George Yang Ditto. I thought Jordan Clarkson came in and gave some decent minutes and Jawan Morgan did what he could in yep. his first NBA start, which was in a playoff game against the Nuggets. That's that's a lot to ask, but and he was a so plus exhausted.
1: seventeen. Who was? Juan Morgan. What? Yeah, he was a plus seventeen. So yeah, really pleased with what he did. But wow. it, it, it can't be a long term solution. I mean, Tony Bradley's gotta play better. Uh, Rudy Gobert has to feel like he can take a breather every now and then. Yeah, same with the same thing goes for Donovan Mitchell. He has to believe that he can take a break, and the team's not going to totally collapse while he's on the on the bench.
2: Uh, really quickly, speaking of the Utah Jazz, the tiebreaker has came in for the NBA draft. The Jazz will choose twenty third in the NBA draft. That is a perfect spot to get Sam Merrill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you look at the standings, uh, I was just looking at this. Uh, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Utah have the exact same end-of-year record. But uh, they did some tiebreakers, and the way it works out, Jazz actually could have gotten 21st, but they dropped to 23rd because of the tiebreakers.
2: Oh, that sucks. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you talked about the uh, the rest of the playoffs and how yeah. they might go. So, uh, Denver, let's just start with Denver and yep, Utah. Yeah, let's do it. Where do you see this one going? How many games?
2: You know, I thought it would be a, f- a gentleman's sweep. I really do. I thought it would be a gentleman sweep for Denver. Four games to one. Without Mike Conley, you're asking way too much of this Utah Jazz squad. After seeing today, I think six, and I think Denver wins it. I still think Denver's a little bit too much right now. If Mike Conley can't make it back, I just don't see how the Jazz pull this thing out.
1: I am actually with you on this one. I think it'll be Denver in six. I think that so many games missed with Mike Conley. Uh, just without him, without Boyan, you're losing. I mean, those are two of your top four scorers on the year, and they're out. So that's just hard to
2: replace. Denver's a good team, great team, yeah. And Murray's just cooking. Murray is, Murray's been such a Jazz killer all year, more so than Jokic, which is really incredible. But I think Murray's been so good, and I think he'll continue his hot stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I like Denver in in six. So the winner of the Denver Jazz series. Uh would get who? Clippers, Clippers and, who? And, and Dallas. This I've been tossing and turning back and forth on, Eric. I like Luka Donchins versus their backcourt. Even as good as Beverly, Lou, and Montres Harrell, Montres that three headed defensive monster is. I think Luca can find different ways to score. It's getting other guys, like Donovan Mitchell's problem, it's getting everybody else involved and that they can contribute and be consistent offensively. I don't think Dallas can do that. Clippers in five.
1: Gosh, why do we have to agree so much today? I'm with you as well. I think the Clippers, they're going to dial it in. They'll know it's it's playoff time. It's time to step it up. Um, and I think that one game that Dallas gets Will be a really, really close one, and you go to yeah, the wire. A good point. Clippers probably could have won it, but you know, Luka Doncic, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, you know, they have a you know they have big games and they're able to get one. But I think that uh, Dallas is too inconsistent. They have a hard time closing out games. Oh, sure do. Jazz uh, were beating up on these guys and decided we really want the six spot, so we're gonna throw away our twenty-two point lead and <laughs> throw in all of our scrubs. <laughs> So, I I think that that Dallas team, while it does have some superstar potential and some superstars on their roster, I just don't think
2: top to bottom they're anywhere close to the Clippers. Okay, so Clippers and Nuggets in round two. Uh, 4-5 game. Rockets, Thunder. This was supposed to be a really saucy matchup because Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul is always fun, right? Well, now Russell Westbrook's out for at least the first two games of the series. Does it change your opinion, and how does this series look to you? I think it does make a big difference. I don't I think that Oklahoma City has some
1: guards that are really good. Shea Gilgus Alexander and Dennis Schroeder off the bench. I think they've got some guys that can make it interesting, um, but uh, I don't think either one of those guys can hang with with Russell Westbrook. So yeah. with him being out, I think it becomes even more interesting of a series. Um, I, I am going to be cheering for Oklahoma City. I'm not a big fan of Uncle Chris, but um, I – I'm less a fan of James Harden and the Houston Rockets as a whole. So I think that, uh, and I think that Oklahoma City is more of a well rounded team and they play
2: defense. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma City in six. <laughs> I have Oklahoma City in six as well. I just think that without Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul plays so well when he has a little grudge. When he has this little, when it's Petty Paul. It's fun to watch because Petty Paul is just a monster. <laughs> Petty Paul, I like that, and and that's really what it is. I mean, he's got he's playing against his old team with you know James Harden and, and uh, Eric Gordon on the other side. I just think Paul and I think these this young squad. The thing about it, Eric, is that this young squad is so ignorant to the situation. They have no idea what they're in. They just know that they're in the playoffs. What would he do? They have no idea what that means except for Chris Paul and Steven Adams. These guys were just in Florida to play basketball, and they're excited about that. That confidence alone and having the chance to play James Harden with no Russell Westbrook and small ball rocket team with Steven Adams on the other side underneath, I like Oklahoma City in six games. I think it's just when Russell Westbrook comes back, it'll be a little bit too late.
1: I think that could that series could easily go to seven. Oh,
2: sure, absolutely, yeah. Um, but I, I just think
1: uh, Adams down low and just Chris Paul running the show. I just think that Oklahoma City is going to have a little bit more than Houston will, especially without West, uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. All right. Um, then the the last one, the, the winner of that one advances to face the Lakers versus Portland. Who comes out of that series?
2: What Damian Lillard is is doing is just historic. It is a run on its own that we haven't seen in a long time. Maybe since Steph Curry in 2015 and 16. Uh, No backcourt for the Lakers. No Avery Bradley. No Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo
1: is in the campus today. He's been starting to work out with the team. but He's still going to miss the first two or three games. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like... uh, and what C.J. McCollum can do, what he's capable of doing, if he can do that in this series, that's a deadly backcourt. Yes, you have LeBron James. Yes, you have Anthony Davis. But as you pointed out on Friday last week, Yurkic is back. And he actually hasn't looked half bad. I like Portland Trailblazers in seven games. Whoa, you're going
1: for the upset. I do. I
2: think, I think Portland beats them in seven. In fact, I think Portland wins the first two games.
1: Wow. Interesting. Uh, I think that the Lakers get this in 6, could go in 5, only because looking at the Trailblazers in their last couple of games, they're just running on fumes. They had to work really hard to get to where they are, and they don't have a lot of help off the bench. So I just, they don't play defense. Um, I, I think that the Lakers... They know that it's playoff time and they'll start to step up. They got a lot of veterans, not a lot of great individual players in 2020, but they got a lot of veterans that know how to play important basketball when it's an important time to play basketball. So I'm going to go with the Lakers in six.
2: Yeah, and that's understandable. I just think uh, like the rejuvenation of, hey, we've got really through the hard stuff. We're not even supposed to be, you know, we're not even supposed to, it's supposed to be four games, four out. We're supposed to be going home on August 12th, you know, we're. August 24th, and not even be here anyways. No pressure at all for Portland now. None. That's true. At all. It should be they playing are loose. playing absolutely free ball. <laughs> because this is LeBron James, LA Lakers, the expected NBA Western Conference champions. And I think that right there gives Damian Lillard a little bit of edge. And I, I just, I don't know. I think Portland comes out on fire, energy, rejuvenated because we're in the playoffs now playing the Lakers, and there's no expectation. Yeah. I, I like Damian Lillard and the Blazers. That's going to be a fun series. Let me I ask you-, you see a
1: lot of LeBron James on Lillard. Oh, so yeah. I it'll would be important that McCollum has a good series.
2: Yep, and that's exactly right. That's why I think that McCollum has to be consistent offensively. He's going to have to be better defensively, too. Portland's defense has been getting just cut through like melted butter. I mean, it's been really bad defensively. Whether it was Memphis, Brooklyn, whoever torched them for whatever they wanted, they can't get away with that versus the Lakers. They're gonna have to be better defensively. Hey, I gotta ask you really quickly: What Damian Lillard's done so far, uh, in uh, with the NBA career included, is Damian Lillard the best player to ever come out of the state of Utah playing the in the league? Uh
1: good question. I think
2: Wayne Estes, if he and uh, God rest his soul. If he would have been in the league, I think he would have probably been that guy.
1: Yeah, he had that potential. My
2: goodness, he was gonna be great.
1: Uh may not be a real popular opinion, but I think you have to look at Danny Ainge. I mean, he won a lot of titles with yeah. Boston and but played I think an important role
2: for the Celtics. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing, man. He had he had Larry Bird, <laughs> yeah, Kevin had, McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson. He had some great players around. Him. Bill no Wall, question. you know Bill Walton was doing weed by then, I'm pretty sure, like J.R. Smith <laughs> style.
1: There's no question that Damian Lillard has had a greater impact for his team than than uh Danny, Danny Ainge had, had for his. his.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just, man, it's amazing. That kid came from Weber State. Think about that for a moment. Weber State. And then he, he's doing this in the league. Like, that guy, more so than anybody else, plays with a chip on his shoulder because he still pretends like everybody thinks he's underrated and that he can't do it um, and that he can't take his team, you know, to new heights, even though it's kind of what he dra- like He honestly put his team on his back and in a restart bubble where it was do or die for the final three games, won all three and scored 40 plus points doing it. Like, that's just stupid.
1: And here's a guy that was not really excited about the bubble. No. Initially, he, yeah. a lot of he, criticism he was like, why are no, we even I'm not going to play. There? Yeah. yeah. And then once he got there, he's like, okay, well,
2: I'm here, so I'm going to try to win. So you've got so LA, I've got Portland, but we got them both playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then we got the Nuggets and the Clippers uh in round two that should be fun eastern conference i feel like it's almost written itself out for the most part uh yeah i really
1: don't feel like that gets interesting until the conference final
2: yeah i mean magic is gonna get swept by the bucks i think toronto sweeps like brooklyn's just happy to be in that in that first round they're out i think in four games as well i think lavert can at least keep them in
1: it but i don't think they have enough i agree Uh, i think it'll be a sweep boston philadelphia thoughts uh, I think Boston in five. I
2: think Boston in five too. I, I think what? it'll be a tough
1: five. I don't think it'll be just a walk away. But yeah. I, I think that the Joel Embiid will be back, and he'll try to make things interesting. But I just think Boston is overall a, a better, deeper, more disciplined team.
2: The word I like that you use, there, Eric, is deeper. They are, and I just think that they're just offensively they're more lethal than Philadelphia. You've got guys who can shoot from all over the court. Gordon Hayward is back to the 2015. 16, Gordon Hayward that we all fell in love with when we watched him play. Um, yeah, I, I think Boston in five, and I think it's. I think some of those games were close, but I still like Boston. Indiana-Miami is an interesting series. I think TJ Warren and Victor Oladipo are a bit too much for Jimmy Butler. Um, Coaching-wise, I'd still give the nod to Eric Spolstra, but I, talent on the court, Indiana by a mile. I think Indiana in six over Miami.
1: Uh, I, I actually am going to say Miami. Oh, wow in six okay uh just bam out of bio I mean I think that they've got um they've it's a pretty deep team I, th- I think they've got some some nasty with them they they play really competitive basketball um I've uh I, not to take anything away from Indiana because they do the same but um I'm actually gonna go with uh, Miami in this series
2: yeah uh that's that's a good pick. And you're right, you know what? Bam bam is pretty has been pretty big. Uh I just man, TJ Warren is on a tear. He is. And 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 he, if All Depot can get back to being consistent inside the paint with his scoring, it makes it very hard to stop them. Extremely hard to stop that squad. So that that's I mean you could put it as a coin toss to be honest with you. I do you think Ben Simmons not playing for the Sixers here in the first game or two, maybe three? Does that help or hurt Philadelphia? Because the guy can't shoot, so we can't spread the floor.
1: Well, that's going to be the great experiment that everybody's going to be watching because there's been this long debate about him and Embiid occupying the same space in the paint. That Both of them operate at their best when they're in the paint attacking the rim. Uh, and uh, it, with one of them out, will the other one thrive without it, the, uh, the other guy there? So a lot of people are going to be watching that. I think that Simmons benefits from Embiid being out. Uh I don't know if, if Embiid benefits as much from Simmons being out. Fair enough. Because Simmons can be a little bit more of a facilitator at times.
2: That's fair enough. I just think he can't spread the floor like other guys can, which Boston can, with with no matter who the size is, they can still spread the floor really well. Uh I'm excited to see the Al Hortford project. You know, the little uh you know, Al Hortford uh where he was uh, in Boston, now goes to Philadelphia. They always had this little bitter grudge, Philadelphia and Boston, and it's been there for a while. And whatever sport you want to talk about, um, this will be fun. I'm, that's a series that's going to be. Look, Boston might win that thing in five, but uh, boy, they're 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 going to beat the crap out of each other doing so.
1: Yeah, they will not. Uh have a lot of love lost between those two teams. I think that the next round, Boston and Toronto,
2: could be really fun. What do you see in that series that gives you – is there any hope for Toronto? I know that's a weird question. There's a lot like, of hope for Toronto. Really? Because I just think Boston's a more complete basketball team. Well, look what Toronto's done all year. I yeah. mean, it's a team that has
1: overperformed all season long. Uh, and The way that they've rallied together after Kawhi left them, they're just as good as when he was there.
2: Why the is that? I mean, is it pa- is, does Pascal Siakam do that much? Well, I think it's Pascal. I think it's Kyle Lowry. I think it's, um, uh, it's a lot of guys that are chipping in and, and playing better. And here's the crazy thing Toronto was 9 1 in their last 10 games. Their defensive, what they give up defensively, of points per game, is seven points lower, like seven points better than it was last year. And like you mentioned, that's without Kawhi Leonard, and they're doing that. That's what's incredible about Toronto. Well,
1: uh, they're they're so good defensively. That's their hallmark. They all play hard. Yeah, great defense. They
2: work their butt off defensively. Uh, they
1: beat the Nets by the way, one thirty four to one ten. They held Lavert to only fifteen points. Jeez, uh, every starter was in double figures, and he had a twenty two point performance off the bench. Uh, I mean, that's just Pascal Siakam had eighteen. Uh, Anunobi had 12, Gasol had 13. Gasol's a man. He's huge for them. Uh, Lowry had 16, uh, Fred Van Vliet, 30 points and 11 assists. Uh, and then Serge Ibaka gave him 22 off the bench. So, and they played a lot of guys. Um, they went deep. Of course, when you win 134 to 110, you can afford to play a couple of guys, uh, some minutes late in the game like that. They normally wouldn't, but, um, Toronto played,
2: uh, what is it, Uh, 11 guys. Wow. 12 guys. Deep bench, then. Okay, so in the Eastern Conference, I feel like the styles between Western and Eastern Conference are completely different, and I feel like we're back to 1998 all again. You remember in 98, it was a run-and-flow offense in the Western Conference, whether it was the Jazz, Spurs, Rockets, um all Lakers were in that conversation as well the Eastern Conference was a you know a 15 round knockout fight where you just beat each other up and uh I mean it was like 65 to you know or 72 to 65 in a you know in a, in a brawl I feel like we're back to that kind of era of basketball between the two conferences again I know you say what was the final score 134 110 in the, in that game yep I feel like the style of the Eastern Conference basketball is going to be a lot more effective in the NBA Finals. Whether it's Milwaukee, Toronto, or Boston, I just feel like one of those three teams can beat up any Western Conference team and wear them down. LeBron can only take so much abuse if he were there. Damian Lillard can only take so much abuse. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, those guys couldn't handle seven games of that kind of abuse mentally, and physically. I just don't think they can handle it. And I think Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston are big threats to do just that.
1: So you think the, the, the Eastern Conference top three are better than the Western Conference top
2: three? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard for me to disagree with that.
1: I mean, the top two teams, Milwaukee and, and Toronto, both had better records than the top team in the West, with uh, the Lakers.
2: Wow. What? So, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, combined... <laughs> Combined between Milwaukee and Toronto, they lost a total of thirty-six games. That's that's not horrible. That's actually yeah, that's pretty incredible. Fifty-six and seventeen from Milwaukee. Toronto was fifty-three and nineteen. I still think Boston's a threat. I, I honestly, I still do. I don't know if I think they can compete with Toronto. I don't think they can compete with Milwaukee though.
1: I think that uh, the the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be really really interesting. Yeah, really fun. Seven to watch. games. Uh, it very well could be. Who, no matter what, seven games. Is, uh, Budenholzer has a, a bit of a history of collapsing, kind of like the night He did it last late. year, didn't he? Um, usually has a really good team, but has a has a history of collapsing late. So, uh, Nick Nurse has gotten through it and found ways to win. So that going to be really really fun Eastern Conference Finals. Assuming it'll be Toronto versus Milwaukee,
2: and, and I think this year, I think. You learn some things if you're Milwaukee. I think last year they were way too conservative. They weren't aggressive enough offensively. And they tried to rely on too much on the defensive side of the ball. They could get stops. And they were kind of playing this half-court, slow-paced offense. And Toronto just burnt them left and right, offensively and defensively. Then they would get stops on their side, and Milwaukee was just in deep trouble. I think Milwaukee tries to turn that table and play that fast pace with Toronto. I don't know if they can keep up. But tries to play that if they see each other. I'm telling, you, like, if it's Morocco, if it's Milwaukee and Toronto, it's seven, and it's a brutal seven games too.
1: I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be really entertaining. I think it could be the Lakers and the Clippers most likely in the in the West. I know you have the Lakers out early, but I do. I think it'll be a uh, the two Who LA teams. do you teams. want
2: to see? What would make you say, you know what? I'm going to turn on the TV for every single game of this NBA Finals. Honestly, for me, the I think what would be the
1: most fun, which would get me to watch every game, Clippers versus Toronto. Why? You got Kawhi going up against his old team. All of Toronto is uh, anti-Kawhi right now.
0: <laughs> they want to prove
1: themselves. <laughs> I think that the Clippers team plays good basketball. They play on both sides of the ball. They don't just focus on one side. They're not just superstars that are pampered. Um, so I think that those are two teams that – like playing defense, have some great stars and
2: great stories. So that would be a really fun finals. So to add on to your thoughts on that series, I also like the great thing about the Clippers defensively is they take away your strength and they make you have to win with your weakness. And if you do, they pat you on the butt and they say, we'll see you for game two or three or whatever it is. They make you play with your weakness. They do not let you take a strength and use it to your ability. They're so good defensively at doing that. On the other side... Toronto just runs you ragged through screens. They will set when you got size of like Jose Valentuzas or Valentunas and Marcus uh Pascal Siakam. If you can use those screens and just body check every single guy that's coming through and make him know you're there. It wears you out defensively. Can the Clippers keep up with that? Let's see. Well, Valentinus actually, he uh, he's oh, in he not Memphis.
1: There? Yeah, he went down to Memphis to get Marc Gasol. Well, I sound trade. like
2: a uh, moron. Uh, <laughs> but you were right with Marc Gasol. But Mar- I mean, Marcus Gasol does the same thing. And I think that's kind of what I saw this year is a lot of screen sets using Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet. And, again, they just – I mean, they take that – they take Van Fleet and they use him like a rover on the baseline, coming to the left wing or coming to the right wing and taking a three – uh, and they have so much movement offensively. Clippers versus Toronto would be a really inter- interesting, interesting uh, series uh, with this the storyline of Kawhi playing versus his old team. But who would you like to see? What would be your ideal NBA Finals? Good night. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Boston being in the finals. I just want to see what Boston could do in the finals. With this set of roster talent. They really do have a good starting lineup. With a decent bench. Uh, I'd like to see Boston on one side. I wouldn't mind seeing the Clippers. I'd be okay with that. But I'd like to see Houston as well. I just think James Harden. Uh, versus heck. I mean give me, I mean, offensively James Harden versus Gordon Hayward. James Harden versus Kemba Walker. Uh, i like to see what Al Horford could do. as a big man versus small ball. Versus Rockets. And both teams like to wind the crap out of the refs. I mean, and that's what you're going to get. A lot of whining, which I'm okay with seeing these teams. Did just be you really look forward to that? I would hate to see that. I want to see like 20 technicals pass out, man. <laughs> Blast. Well, uh,
1: Utah Jazz, again, losers today. They lost game one, 135-125 to 125 in overtime. Had a chance to win it in regulation. Uh, some costly turnovers late, which opened the door for Denver. Did to you see Darwin Mitchell's quote? Even the score, and he, then eventually win the game.
2: He said he was pretty disgusted with himself an eight-second call, and he says it's it's just my fault. I wasn't paying attention. I uh, and uh, and and do you not know, f- fault the jazz players and coaches too, like screaming at them, "Hey, they're counting! They're counting! Get up! Get up!" You know, and none of that happened, and that's a big turnover. And, and Donovan takes fault for that. Game two for Utah will be on Thursday. Um, it'll be nope. Sorry,
1: I'm looking at the wrong matchup. It'll be Wednesday, uh, Wednesday at two o'clock our time. We'll have it right here. On 106.9 FM 1390 AM The Fan. Uh, coming up next here on the uh, Full Court Press, let's get to the awards that were handed out in the bubble.
2: George and Yang, baby.
1: Did the right players get recognized? We'll talk about that next on the Full Court Press.
0: The Aggies are number one here, the Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: The NBA playoffs got underway earlier today. Utah Jazz took on the Denver Nuggets. Eleven thirty. That's what really stinks about this bubble is you got <laughs> games in the middle of the day when you're trying to get work
2: done. And you just <laughs> want
1: to go see what's going on with the game.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it, and you look. We we're lucky to do what we get to do because when we can kind of sit down and watch the game for a little bit. But other places, you can't do that. You can't sit down and watch the game and, and see what's going on. And that's the way it's going to be for the next games 2 and 3. 2 o'clock starts Wednesday and Friday. By the way, that will interrupt our show. We don't know how long it will interrupt our show. It will, our show will start late. We'll keep you updated as much as possible. But uh, expect us to start late, 4.30, 5 o'clock, depending on what happens. If we go to overtime, oh, boy.
1: <laughs> as long as they win, I don't care. Yeah,
2: amen. I'm with you. Yeah, Just get a I- win. So the NBA restart, uh, they handed out some awards. Do you agree with that? Should they have handed out awards? You know, I like what you said because I didn't agree at first, but then you said it's like a tournament format. Why not? Sure. So the league announced all bubble teams. <coughs> they did. Uh, um,
1: they did announce an MVP. And who? would – I mean, Damian Lillard. Is there yeah, any other question? Yeah, yeah. Who no, else would Damian. be the MVP? Next question. Uh, the the coach of the bubble, Monty Williams for Phoenix.
2: Okay. Yeah. Can't
1: doubt that yeah. at all. I mean, this yeah. team went eight no in the bubble. Nobody expected that. Yep. So the other guys that were on the first team, of course, Damian Lillard, as we mentioned, Devin Booker with the Phoenix Suns, Luka Doncic. I guess all three of those were unanimous selections. Hmm. Uh, but then also James Harden and T.J. Warren announced to the first. I team. like it. There's no big man. Nope. It's just a guards, collection huh? of whomever. Uh, the second team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Taps Porzingis, Chris Levert, and Michael Porter Jr. Oh, MPJ made it. Okay, good for him. Cool. Uh, anybody you think that should have made the list that got left out? No.
2: No. That's good. I like it. Yeah,
1: As I'm looking at this, I don't feel like... Anybody really got slighted. I was about to
2: say Kyle Lowry, but I don't think Kyle Lowry is better than that first or second team. No, well, and some of these guys didn't play every game. Yeah, it's true. They took some games off. They uh, will scrubs. So Defensive player of the year. Or uh, defensive player of the bubble would be who? Oh,
1: man. Uh, good question. I don't know.
2: I don't think I – I mean, Kawhi, no. Maybe. Kawhi is, like, questionable at best. Giannis didn't play every game. True. Anthony Davis, maybe, and that's just because he. I mean, the first three games he was pretty dang good defensively, but I. That's about it. I've got nobody else for you, man. If you had one, uh, yeah, I'd... <laughs> nothing comes to the top of my mind. Who is the MVP of the uh, of the NBA for you? Okay, now it's. I mean, of course, they stopped in March. So who would it be?
1: Uh, I would put
2: Giannis. Me too. Is he your defensive player of the year too? Probably. Me too. Just yeah, hard to he, argue with that. Uh, just the way he plays, his length. Uh,
1: he buys into the defense. He makes players. And he is shots. such an
2: impactful player. Yes. Milwaukee is not the number one team in the Eastern Conference. They're probably number eight without Giannis.
1: I think they're still a playoff team. I Agree with you with that. I think they're maybe. Uh,
2: I think they're better than Brooklyn. I think they'd you be, think so without yeah, Giannis.
1: Yeah, I think they'd be a
2: five or six. Because you're asking, like, Chris Middleton, um, (laughs) Brooke Lopez, Kyle Korver, who sees rare minutes, George Hill, who's, like, 49 years old. I mean, that's – man, Giannis is like the LeBron James from 2010. Like, he makes that much of a difference for Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, he's big. Absolutely. Really quickly,
2: if the Milwaukee Bucks don't win the NBA title this year, and then Giannis is a free agent, does he leave? Uh. My gut tells me no. Okay, but eh, who knows? Golden State's in a sexy offer. Such a weird, weird NBA. Dude. Yeah, it's true.
1: Uh, coming up next hour, we'll get into what happened in Week One for high school football. A lot of games played on Friday. How did the local teams do? Uh, how did we do on our pick six? How many things did we get right? Who won? And uh, some interesting news coming out of Major
0: League Baseball as well. Stay tuned for that. Stick around We're in the five o'clock hour. One. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. These days, plenty of quarterbacks have impressive stats. But let me share with you some numbers on Washington QB Alex Smith. Three months in a wheelchair, eight months in an elaborate leg brace, 17 surgeries in nine months. Smith broke his fibula and tibia in a game back in November 18th of 2018. That was scary enough. Afterwards, he suffered an infection that made doctors scared for his life. But on Sunday, the team announced Smith will be activated off the physically unable to perform list. We celebrate athletes for their talent. But there's also a work ethic and the mental strength that sometimes goes underappreciated. Smith's efforts to return are well documented. Anyone who has seen what he had gone through would understand if he gave up football. But here he is ready to compete in Washington. We'll see what happens next. It could be the stuff of movies if he comes back anywhere near his previous level. For today, to get this far is quite an achievement. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.